Great step back out, a lot of time, plenty of time to push. Coastard with one, pull up for me, good to pick up this, he got it, he got it, Carolina wins! Unreal shot by Jermaine Coastard! What a win for South Carolina last night. Hello, Gamecocks. It's the Inside the Gamecocks Daily. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Sorry this is a little late. Later, around lunchtime today, uh, here on Thursday, January 16th, but wanted to get one out. Um, going to try to kind of tinker with different times and things like that since we don't have two shows uh, per day except on Wednesdays. And so, you know, just want to make sure I do get a show to you guys or a, a, a report or whatever you want to call it. It's basically just me. Um, but what a win for South Carolina last night. Uh, much needed win. Uh, I know talking to Mike Morgan, uh, my co-host for the JC and Morgan podcast and a good friend of mine uh, before the game, you know, he's had Kentucky in a couple of games this year. Uh, and he had South Carolina, of course, at Tennessee. He said, you know, South Carolina brought their A game and, you know, Kentucky didn't play well. Um, you know, Gamecocks could win. It wasn't an unwinnable basketball game. And, I mean, I don't think South Carolina or Kentucky either one played super duper. Um, through about the first, I don't know, what would you say, you know, 30, 28 minutes of the game, <laughs> uh, Kentucky was edging their lead out. Um, but like every time the Gamecocks tried to do something, um, you know, Kentucky would answer. And then all of a sudden, it got close. And it got a little closer. And, you know, Kentucky, I think, went back up 58-50. to 50, And then here comes South Carolina, and then it was nip and tug. The Gamecocks finally tied it. They finally took the lead 71-70. Um, and then held it, you know, until a shot, <laughs> which was a good shot, you know, uh, tied the game uh, for the Wildcats. And then, of course, Jermaine Cousinard with the buzzer beater bank in. Uh, from three-point land, 81-78, South Carolina wins. Uh, I think anytime you beat Kentucky in the sport of basketball, if you're a member of the Southeastern Conference, it's significant. Um, even some of their teams over the years that haven't been that good, um, it's still significant. I think it's like when you're in the ACC and beat Duke or North Carolina, which, by the way, Clemson has done. Uh, so all of a sudden the Palmetto State, you know, has – once football season's over, they start knocking off um, basketball powerhouses. Uh, you know, I, I think it's always significant. Uh, you know, just like while the season in football did not turn out, you know, any kind of acceptable, in my opinion, um, the win over Georgia was significant. I mean, that's just, you know, anytime you can go in there and win in Athens, if you're South Carolina, it's significant. I think in, you know, these days in the SEC, anytime you beat Alabama, uh, it's significant. Um, you know, just kind of the knocking off the big dog kind of deal. So, uh, you know, big win, you know, for the program. I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's the third time Frank Martin has beaten Kentucky at the Colonial Life Arena. Uh, it's the fourth time Calipari has lost at the Colonial Life Arena. He's been there a lot longer than you people kind of think. Um, you know, he lost the, the Devin Downey game that we all remember. Uh, and then, you know, you fast forward Frank, I think his third team upset Kentucky. Uh, then two years ago, Chris Silva, same kind of game a couple of years ago. Gamecocks were down 14 and then came back and won by eight. Uh, and then this year's team, 
Now, this year's team, you know, there's positives and negatives. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's an enigma, uh, sort of when you talk about this team. You know, this team's able to go on the road and win at Virginia. You know, Virginia's not as good as they were last year. It's still the defending national champion, still at the time a top ten team. Uh, you know, I think the road win at Clemson was a good win because I think Clemson you know, has kind of found some things, put it together. You know, they're in the ACC, uh, so they have a chance every time they win one of these games to, to kind of get points because there's a lot of good teams in that league. Um, and it's the in-state rival. Just like I talked about Kentucky, it's always significant when you can beat Clemson. Um, and you beat them on the road by double digits. And then things go south again. And then the loss to Stetson, which which was rock bottom. I, I think that was, you know, since the Final Four run, you know, South Carolina's had two mediocre years. They're in the midst of a third. Because um, right now you still have to call the season mediocre. It may not end up that way, but right now you still have to call it that. Um, that's the low point of the last three years. You know, lots of frustrating moments, lots of what ifs. Uh, last year there were some losses that, you know, you kind of scratched your head at. The loss to Stetson at home was a the, the low point. And it came on the heels of a high point. You know, the win at Virginia was one of the most significant regular season non-conference wins for South Carolina in quite some time. Um, you know, talking to people, uh, talking to Keith from the old Paul podcast and a friend of mine, he thought it was the most significant non-conference victory for South Carolina's men's basketball team, um, non-tournament, you know, not counting the NCAA tournament, uh, since the Gamecocks beat North Carolina in Charlotte, I believe that was 1991. Um, under George Fel- no, no, I'm sorry, that was not 1991. I believe that was 1990. That was George Felton's last team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it would have been December of 1990. Uh, Gamecocks beat the Tar Heels 76-74. Dean Smith was the coach of the Tar Heels. Um, you know, so th- that's all debatable. But you know, you go up to Charlottesville, you win by 11. They're the defending champs. Um, they were ranked in the top ten at the time. You know, they're on a three-game losing streak right now, so the Gamecocks need Virginia to turn it around. But um, that's significant. And then you got the lowest of the lows with Stetson. And I think that's been the struggle is trying to figure this team out. You know, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of guys that, that, that play up and play down. I mean, Jair Bolden did not play last night. Jair Bolden was a significant part of that win at Virginia. Um, A.J. Lawson continues to struggle, and I would have hated it for him and his confidence, which is kind of shaking right now, had he missed those two free throws that could have sealed the game and had Kentucky come back and won. Um, Thank God for Jermaine Cousinard's heroics uh, there at the end. Now, Cousinard is a guy that, you know, Along and along has gotten better and better and better. Redshirted last year. Y'all heard the talk about him. Um, y'all heard how good he could be. Uh, and, you know, there the overhyped. People are very quick to throw the overhyped label on guys. Um, I think what's, what's more fair is probably has not lived up to the hype so far, especially when you're dealing with young players um, in any sport. Basketball. Obviously, I think in that sport you can go quicker. You know, it's it's football. You know, sometimes you got to 
take incremental steps. Um, basketball, you know, once you're a sophomore, you know, I, I, I think that it's fair to have some expectations. But at the same time, every player is different. Every player takes incremental steps. Um, I'm with Frank Martin. I, I wish I wish college basketball was kind of like, you know, it used to be where guys stayed three or four years and they improved every year and you had guys back and all that other stuff. But it's just not the this is not the nature of the sport anymore. Um, guys stay and if they don't, then this is not working out. You know, at the current place, they just try, the answer is either to transfer and then people are very quick to go pro and all that other stuff. But um, Jermaine Cousinard, I think last night showed you why. You know, people were high on him. I mean, and it, and it wasn't just that he was hitting shots and making plays. Uh, it, it's the, it, you know, he played good defense, I thought, for the most part. I think when he hit shots was was key. Um, going back to the first half, you know, Kentucky, South Carolina gets off to a dreadful start offensively. You know, Kentucky's up 21-10. Um, you know, Maybe they start to run it out, run them out of the gym, and then all of a sudden Kuznard hits back-to-back threes. That that stemmed the tide a little bit. You know, I thought Carolina pulled them back within five uh, after Kentucky was up 10, 11 points was big. Uh, I thought, you know, first coming right out in the second half, you know, Kuznard made some plays. Um you know, it just seemed like every time you turn around, he was drilling a three, making a play, making a steal. Um, he's a tough kid, too. You know, he's a bigger guard, uh, Chicago guy, or East Chicago, which is right across the border in Indiana. Um, that's why they liked him coming out. And uh, it wasn't just South Carolina that wanted him. He hit Louisville and everybody else, or not – Sorry, let me back up. Not everybody else, but a lot of other good teams, a lot of other good basketball programs. Um, thought T.J. Moss played his best game last night, um, not just because he scored, although that was key, and he had some big shots um, in clutch moments. I, I think that's what you want out of your point guard. Um, clutch plays at clutch times. He also took care of the basketball better than he has been. Um, I don't know what to say about A.J. Lawson. I mean, I, I know what Mike Kotsar's problem was last night. He was in foul trouble the whole night. Uh, so you didn't get a lot out of him. Um, A.J. Lawson, you know, I, I, the good news is we all know A.J. Lawson can play basketball. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think we know Jair Bolden can play basketball too. Uh, the bad news is is that uh, right now he's not playing that well. And those two guys aren't playing that well. And I think if they can get – those four guards going. Uh, and then if Justin Manaya, who had a big clutch shot last night, ha- you know, you got Frank said he's happy for him after the game. Justin Manaya can kind of start playing solid. Yeah, this basketball team can be good. Now, can they be good enough? I don't know. Um, going to Texas A&M is a challenge. Texas A&M has not been – uh, any better than South Carolina this year? In fact, they probably have less impressive wins. But you got to go down there, and you got to think. You know, Buzz Williams, a good friend of Frank Martin's, and a hell of a basketball coach. You got to think he's sitting there thinking. You know, this is a chance for us to get a conference win in my first year. Um, got to go down to college. Now, South Carolina's played pretty well in College Station over the years. Uh, and Martin has done really well against A&M. But, you know, this is Buzz Williams A&M, not uh, Billy Kennedy's A&M. So we'll see 
kind of how that all plays out. But that's a huge game. Gamecocks go there and win. You got to go to Auburn, and then you come back for Vandy. And there's your first six conference games. So, you know, you can start three and three in the league, and then it gets a little bit better. I think the SEC is, you know, I just looking at the teams this year, I think – I think Vanderbilt uh, is probably a little bit, especially with the Neesmith situation and all. I mean, they're probably a little bit below. I watched some of their game with Arkansas last night. Arkansas is probably a little better than we thought. And then everybody else is just kind of in the middle. Um, I like LSU's talent. I like Auburn's ability to play Bruce Pearl basketball, and I like their talent. Obviously, I like Kentucky's talent. I think Kentucky's a hell of a team. Um and that's just my kind of 10,000-foot view of it. But there's a lot of parity. And in leagues with parity, sometimes it's tough to run off a big run. But sometimes you can do it because it's not like you're uh, facing a deficit with talent every time. I mean, that Tennessee loss may end up killing South Carolina because it was one point. It was there for the taking. Um, and it just didn't happen. Tennessee lost to Georgia last night, I think, by 17 in Athens. So they're, they're kind of rebuilding in Knoxville this year. So we'll see kind of what happens. It's, uh, it's going to be really uh, – at least it's fun to follow. You know, at least, at least it's, you know, you know, South Carolina loses last night. They start 0-3 and, and then maybe go to College Station this weekend and start 0-4. You're staring at 0-5 starting the league in the face and, you know – see you in March when you know we see what's going to happen with the future of the program um, I think last night gives them a fighting chance it's frustrating as an observer and an analyst and someone that I would call myself a basketball fan um, to yet again look at the net rating uh, and see it in the 100s right now and, and realize that Take away the loss to Boston U and take away the loss to Stetson, just like last year. You know, take away the losses to Stony Brook and, and Wyoming, um, which Stony Brook was much better than Boston U and Stetson. And Wyoming was on the road and they were terrible, but take away those two losses last year. And, you know, South Carolina's probably in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, you, you sit there and look at it and it's like, dang. You know, uh, yet again, and and one of the reasons for that is with the new net rating, you kind of look at how it sets up, sets up, and it's it's different than the RPI in the sense that it it you know a team that has like a you know like South Carolina got snubbed a few years back when we were twenty four and eight, which was ridiculous. Which I think by any metric was ridiculous. Uh, I think the NCAA committee that year. You know, the guy from um, Tulsa or whatever, uh, or Oklahoma or whatever, you know. One, I mean, I think that year the committee, like, just valued top 50 RPI wins over everything. You know, that's over everything. And that was ridiculous. Um, but with the net, that, 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 helped, that, would help, that would help that South Carolina team. Because a big portion of it is winning percentage. Just basically... Plain old winning percentage, you know. How many you win, how many you lose. So if, if, if you have bad losses and you're hovering around 500, it hurts you. If you have some ba- a bad loss or two, and, and let's say instead of 9 and 7, 
You know, the Gamecocks were like 13 and 3. Let's say they had lost to Stetson and and uh, Boston U, but you know, they'd have beaten maybe beaten North Northern Iowa and Wichita. I don't want to say Wichita cuz Boy, Wichita's really good. Um, let, let's just say they beat Northern Iowa and they didn't crap the bed against Houston at home, and they'd have pulled those two games out. You know, Gamecocks would have been really good shape. Um, you know, because the, the winning percentage means so much. Uh, even if they'd have just simply beaten Boston U and Stetson and had the exact same results otherwise, you know, you're looking at eleven and five versus nine and seven right now at this point so the Gamecocks to make the NCAA tournament I am of the you know people it's going to take a 14 and 4 record in the league no I I don't think it is Um, depending on who in the league they beat you know because you do have Vanderbilt twice on the schedule this year they're not very good Uh, I think Texas A&M right now net ranking wise is not very good they're on the schedule twice um, not a lot of huge Q1 win opportunities. Last night was one of them, uh, even within the league. Although LSU comes to town, you go out of Auburn, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, just kind of looking at it, um, I don't know that you're going to need 14 and 4, 15 and 3. I think the game guys get there, they're, you know, one or two in the league. If you win the league championship, I think you're in. Um, I think twelve and six is the bubble. Twelve and six gives you twenty and eleven overall. Uh, you know, there's probably going to be enough Q one and Q two wins in there. Uh, you may be in Dayton, um, maybe not. Maybe you get snubbed yet again. But but I think twelve and six is the absolute minimum. Anything below twelve and six, and it's in IT or not nothing. You know, in my opinion, so that's kind of I think where it's at. You know, thirteen and five. I can't see how the Gamecocks get left out of the tournament with a thirteen and five league record, um, and then anything above that, I think they're safely in. So they got work to do. I mean, they're one and two right now. So you got to find twelve more wins um, somehow in the next fifteen. So you got to win twelve out of fifteen. That's a that's a, that's doable. But there's not a lot of margin for error. And like I said, it's just it's hard to tell. I mean, any given night. I mean, you know, how good is Georgia? I've seen them play a couple times. I think they're pretty good. Can they beat the Gamecocks? Absolutely. Can they beat the Gamecocks twice? Yeah, absolutely. Can the Gamecocks beat them twice? Absolutely. You know, <laughs> that's, just, that's just the kind of deal you're dealing with there. So it's just one of those things. So anyway, that's my take on basketball. Um Sort of looking around, football recruiting-wise, big weekend, junior day. Tony and I talked about it yesterday. Uh, kind of looking around at um, some of the players that will be in. I, I think that, you know, what you want to do here, if you're Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks, is you want these guys to come in, have a great time, be impressed. You want to get in the game. You know, that, that's the thing. Uh, some of these guys, too, that are making their first trip, get in the game. Get in the game. Because um, it's not going to be an easy cycle for the Gamecocks. You know, not a lot of known in-state guys. Um, but, you know, you get in the game. And, and I think the Gamecocks are. I think almost quietly, uh, you know, there, there's some guys the Gamecocks are in pretty good shape with. You know, I, I don't think that 
you can judge a junior day anymore in this modern era of recruiting by um, by commitments. You know, I remember when Mac Brown used to line up the Texas junior day, and I think this hurt Mac Brown later on because I think the other Texas schools were like, okay, you take the guys that you think are the top guys right now, early in January, and then we're going to go evaluate our butts off and um, you know get the rest of them. Uh, like that's what the TCUs of the world did. And then the Baylors of the world – would go out and do it really, really early and, and land guys. And they'd land like five or ten guys way before the junior day uh, out of Texas. And, and then they'd hold on for dear life, and they'd end up getting five of them. <laughs> so there's different philosophies on it. But I think kids with social media these days, you just don't see guys going to campus and committing. I mean, you don't – you know, it used to be – I'll give you a, just a hypothetical – you know, you'd have a visit weekend. Let's say, let's go back to the Lou Holtz era. You know, a guy visits, He go. it's January, he goes in, he meets with Coach Holtz. There's a commitment. Somebody lets the somebody know, uh, and that's that. You know, kids these days, that conversation may go a number of ways, but they want to go out and kind of do their own thing on, on their Twitter and, and do whatever, or do a video, or, you know, it's kind of – there's theatrics involved. It's a show, people, uh, these days. So in the interest of the show, um, you know, some of these you, – you don't really rack up four or five commits from a junior day like you used to. Nobody does. Um, you may lay the ground – you may have four or five guys that you know are coming when they leave campus, and then they stagger out their announcements. But uh, there is a lot of PR that goes into it these days, and I think that – you know, it's because there's a lot of different opinions about it. And um, I think that if you're a high school prospect, you know, that's – I'm not going to get into it's your divine right to take five official visits and treat them like vacations and, you know, lead coaching staffs on and, you know, talk down to adults like you're a celebrity superstar when you've, you know, accomplished nothing but uh, high school glory, which a lot of us did. Um, that means nothing, you know, in, in the grand scheme of your life. So I don't like how ugly it gets sometimes with the, just the complete lack of respect that takes place. But if you're a high school kid and you want to, you want to, you know, announce your announcement on Twitter and, and do a video or something like that, man, more power to you. I don't, I don't mind the show. You know, you want to put on a show, put on a show. Because um, that, that kind of, in my opinion, takes thought and effort and creativity and all the things that I think we want young people to embrace these days. So I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that that's something that's good. You know, uh, people ask me all the time about recruiting and what I think about the landscape these days. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, there are, first of all, there are a lot of people involved with recruiting who are extremely ignorant about the process and don't understand what it is. And I'm not talking about media. I'm not talking about necessarily players. I'm not talking about most parents. You know, I'm talking about some of these folks that that, that walk in and are like, hey, 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 you know, this is this. And they, and they act like anybody involved, the media, coach, high school coaches, <coughs> college coaches, whoever, is the devil 
and they're out to get the student athlete. And most of the time, when this happens, it is uh, it's a situation where the player's not even that good. I mean, hypothetically, I'm gonna tell you a story without naming names, and, and this has no. This is not a Carolina guy. This is not a Carolina recruit. This one I was working national recruiting. Uh, you know, you had a kid like that, good player. You know, I thought, you know, probably a low three-star guy. Um, went to a school that was not in the ACC or SEC. I'll leave it at that. Good enough to play there. Needed to work really, really hard to do it because I think he played some quarterback um, at the high school level and was going to have to switch to corner. Grades were very marginal, um, but good enough to eventually make it in. You know, I thought this guy – had a skill set that that you know could he could play college football, get an education. He could play pro football, you know, if, if he worked. But he he's, it just wasn't a guy where you looked at it and go, "Well, that's a no brainer." Uh, he's super talented. He's going to the NFL. Okay. So because of the grades and the position projection and all that, he had one offer, one scholarship offer, and had a guy in his in his ear talking about how his branding and all that. Like this kid was going pro. You don't need to worry about your, you know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to have fun and put on a show on Twitter and, you know, do this because I'm a high, you know, I'm a hot shot recruit and, you know, let's put on a show and have fun with it. That's one thing. It's quite another to be worried about your brand um, when you need to worry about passing algebra three. Uh, you know, when you need to be worried about getting that SAT about 10 points higher, you're not going to college to play ball. You need to worry about making the transition from quarterback to corner because you have no shot as a quarterback, um, even in a triple option offense, but you have a shot at a, as a corner, maybe in a safety or heck wide receiver, good with the ball in your hands. You know, you're going to have to switch. So those are the things that, you know, the adults – around the kids should be focused on but instead we're focused on brand so you get this big announcement keep in mind let me just re- reiterate kid has one scholarship offer so in the interest of branding this guy announces his commitment on christmas day now I've seen kids announce things on Christmas and Thanksgiving before, Valentine's Day, like Jadevi and Clowney did. It was just Clowney's birthday, Valentine's Day. Um, I've seen you know guys do it on Christmas because maybe they, they miss their parents. Right? One of their parents has died, and you know, I'm going to do it on Christmas because we always spent Christmas together. This was just straight up, look at me, it's Christmas. And he had one offer. Now, I don't think that kid panned out once he went to the school he went to. You know, and, 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 I, and I, I'm not saying that everybody that talks about brand and all that is wrong, but I, I think that there's a fundamental disconnect sometimes with, like, not necessarily parents, but just people that want to give advice about the process that don't know anything about it. That all they're kind of seeing is dollar signs for themselves, and they just don't know anything about it. I mean, you know, you want to get some advice on recruiting. There's plenty of people out there that will give you advice on recruiting. Good people. Um, Marcus Lattimore's stepfather, Vernon Smith, helps guys with recruiting. 
um, and gives it to him straight about the process and, and, and has helped countless players fulfill their dreams, including one guy that, you know, ended up at one of the best academic institutions of higher learning in the country and is playing football on Power 5 level. You know, that, that probably had it not been for, you know, Vernon Smith helping him, he wouldn't have gotten there. So there's plenty of people to help you. Um, but but some of these guys, it's like they hire, like they're, they're hiring a lawyer without a law degree uh, to defend them in a case, and you wouldn't do that. And, and that's the biggest issue with recruiting these days is that you have people involved that not only don't have the player's best interest at heart, even if they do, they're just too ignorant about the process to even begin to do it, and they vilify. Everybody that knows anything about it, you know, oh, you know, so I don't know. That's an interesting thing. So my point in all that, and I've rambled a bit, is that junior days, you know, nowadays you don't get the the bump. You know, you don't get the four or five guys committing. I mean, sometimes you get a guy to commit on campus, sometimes you don't. Um, And the reason for that is that the kids like to make their own announcements. And I want to say that I'm all for that. I am all for that. We we don't sell – VIP memberships on the Big Spur anymore um, based on, you know, kind of how you used to when, when this business first started where you could put up a story that says new commit with a picture of the coach and you would sell 35 subscriptions, you know. Uh, that didn't happen anymore because, you know, it, it gets out. Breaking news is not something that we monetize in terms of memberships. You know, we try to kind of give you behind the scenes, give you heads up on breaking news, clarify things, that kind of stuff. So, so you know, for my business, it'd probably be better if we went back to the old school thing. But I don't mind because these are kids. And, and, you know, ultimately, you know, the more young people you have out there just in general in society – that are reaching their goals and dreams, doing things the right way most of the time, because it's hard to do it all the time, you know, even as an adult. Um, you know, and, and, and that that helps us have a better world. Um, you know, and, and there's other ways for the business to, to work, you know, the business I'm in. So uh, I'm all for that. I mean, a lot of people are grumpy. They get grumpy about it. Oh, this stupid Twitter. Oh, my God. You know, and, and I'm all for that. When you hear me talk about recruiting and kind of the negative things that have happened with regards to it, it's exactly the reasons I get frustrated are exactly what I just spelled out. You know, people who don't understand it, who don't know what the hell they're talking about, have a outsized say sometimes uh, in how prospective student athletes and recruits act, treat people, um, market themselves, uh, and it only hurts the player. You know, only hurts the player. I mean, you're rude to me. I mean, you know, there's hundreds of players that aren't <laughs> every single cycle. Uh, you're rude to a coach. They don't need you. I mean, I, you know, they don't need you. I mean, you know, I don't care how good you are. Um, and most of the time, the better players, the players that pan out, the players that work, uh, players that make the NFL. There's no problems like this. There's no problems, you know. For as many times as I see fans go, oh, he was, he handled the process terribly. Well, fans, when when you are right about that, 
Um, normally, that player that goes to that other school doesn't work out. Not that good. But when you were wrong about that, you'll, you'll see, you know, that's how you tell. Right or wrong, did he handle the process right? Is he good or is he not? Is he playing? Is he not? Is he reaching his potential or is he not? So anyway, that's my little spiel on recruiting junior day this weekend. I think it's uh, it's always more fun I think, to to uh, follow junior day recruiting in January when you have a basketball win and you got another big you know so so, so that makes the Texas A and M game big. You know, 0-3 going to College Station, I think at that point you're just hoping for a win. Um, now I think instead of a chance for a win, it's it's an opportunity for the season. Um, and, uh, you know, getting back to basketball real quick, I, I think, you know, you can fix A.J. Lawson and Jair Bolden and get a nice rotation going, you know, because you got Moss. You know, Manaya continues to play well. Yeah, Keyshawn Bryant put some points on. Had some wild moments last night. I still think he plays way out of control sometimes and does not make smart decisions sometimes, especially when he's jacking up threes. But he's playing his butt off, as is Mike Coatesart. And I, I did also. I wanted to also mention Jalen McCrary because I thought Jalen McCrary yesterday quietly had a very good game uh, in a big moment. You know, I, I you know McCrary is, is a guy that they really like. Um, and Kentucky's a big game. I mean, I think when you come to University of South Carolina as a freshman, yeah, you know, Kentucky games are one you look forward to. So I thought he had a good game too. Um, just to be honest with you, so I think that's uh, that's a positive. So there there are some positives. There's work to be done on the basketball court, and certainly uh, the junior day this weekend. You know, Tony and I talked about it. Yesterday, Gunner Stockton is a guy and who's not even a 2021 guy. He's 2022. Uh, is a player that a lot of people have talked about um, and all that. Don't know who the special teams coordinator is going to be. If I had to speculate, I don't know. If, uh, if it's Rodriguez Wilson, former Gamecock linebacker, quarterback recruit from Cross that coaches for the Chiefs, Special teams assistant there. Um, if you see see it kind of linger, uh, you know the Chiefs are still in the playoffs. Obviously, I, you know it could be him. I think that would be a good hire. Um, I think that guy is a high character guy. I think he's he's got credibility with players. He's been in the NFL. He's a special teams guy um, because he had to play some of it, and and you know, he's working with the Chiefs in that department. Chiefs are obviously a very successful organization. Um, he's from the state. Uh, he played at Carolina. You know, you got all these Georgia guys. <laughs> so um, I think, uh, you know, being a Gamecock means something um, and coming back and doing it. So, you know, we'll see kind of how that goes. That would be – people ask me, who would you hire? Well, I would probably hire Rodriguez Wilson. Uh, that's just kind of – what I would do, um, and then I would, if, if Rodriguez Wilson did not work out, I'd probably hire Blake Gideon. Um, and I'm saying that based on Blake Gideon's reputation as a recruiter and the fact that Will Muschamp, you know, thinks a lot of this guy. And I remember when he played at Texas, and he's taken him just about everywhere. So I, I think Will Muschamp's a pretty good evaluator. Of coaches, 
especially on defense and special teams. <laughs> you know, offense, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see kind of how all that goes moving forward. I, I don't necessarily think he's bad at evaluating offensive coaches. I think that maybe he's not been successful at finding the right guy to lead the offense and call the plays on game day. I think, you know, it's all relative. Anyway, all right, so this is the Inside the Gamecocks Daily Report. Uh, so this is our third episode of the week. I'll be back with another one tomorrow. I hope you guys like this extended thing. Spread the word that we're back doing things every day. Um, and uh, I'd appreciate that. It, it's not going to go to a format where we have um, a Patreon deal where you have to pay. This is a 24-7 sports podcast. So our idea is just to grow our audience and have as many Gamecock fans as possible. Uh, subscribe, you know, subscribe for free on iTunes or whatever. Listen uh, or whatever, and uh, I'm going to have you know some special uh, episodes here uh, on the daily thing, and then Tony and I'll be on Wednesday, and we'll get Whittle on, and, and a lot of the Big Spur guys, and some of my other friends as well. All right, this is J.C. Sherbert. Have a great day, Gamecocks. We'll holla at you tomorrow.